Well, our preacher this morning, many of you will already know, uh, Chris Breton, who was formerly the youth director here, youth minister here, uh, is now the St. John's Young Life Area Director, and this week was our camp speaker at Soul in the City. And so we thought we would give you a little taste of Soul in the City this Sunday. And I want to take a moment to pray for him. Would you join me in praying for Chris? Heavenly Father, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit and anoint Chris. We're so thankful for his zeal for the gospel, his zeal for evangelism, his zeal for young people. And Lord, we pray that that would rub off on us and and stir us up to love and good deeds um, as we seek to live our lives before you. So Lord, bless Chris and bless us through your use of him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Hey, y'all can grab a seat. This is holy ground for me. Um, I I said in the 7.45 a.m. service with quite a few less people that um, I and more nervous and like sweaty palms nervous. Some of you may have been here in my first ever sermon in this pulpit, and um, I shared a story that Mike McDonald, in his discipleship of me said, Chris, you have one goal. Don't lose your breakfast in the pulpit. (laughs) I didn't that day, uh, but I I think my nervousness felt uh, this morning, which is, I speak all the time now to hundreds and hundreds of teenagers, and um, it's something that I love and find great joy in, but I think there's something about this space and you, the people, um, that have humbled my heart, and um, I'm often quick to make sure that my notes are in order and that I don't say something that I don't actually mean, but in my nervousness I might say that isn't the gospel and that I might fall into blasphemy and blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm grateful for you. Many of you were here when Mike stood right here and a host of volunteers and kids laid hands on me and, and sent me out of this sanctuary and this, this amazing uh, place that God used to form me. Um, and I went over to North St. John's County, and I'm, I'm seeing one of my good buddies in the house. I'm not going to name him from Young Life, who now lives in Clay County. Um, but you guys have been so very kind to me in your prayers and in um, your support, um, in the relationships, and some of you in your gift to my ministry to help make it all come together. Uh, just a quick update. This year, on record, by numbers, if you know me, I'm a numbers guy. I don't use the numbers to showboat or anything like that, but I think they're a good representation of what God is doing in the midst of the people. And and so this year, uh, we took more kids to summer camp, which is a really large marker of health and fruit in our ministry. We took more kids to summer camp this year than Young Life, like since we started Young Life in Ponte Vedra in 1996. And many of our kids that we took started a relationship with Jesus uh, this summer. And that's because of your prayers and your faithfulness to support me and our host of volunteers that have been doing really faithful work. And so I need to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, You guys have been so good to us. So I'm going to pray. And then what do you guys think? Should Should we dive into the word? Is that good? Awesome. Well, Jesus, thank you that you're good. And uh, whether we believe it or not, you've been chasing after us. You've been chasing after our parents and our grandparents. You've been chasing after your prized possession, your masterpieces, since the age of creation. 
And this morning, I believe that you're here with us and that you want us to know that you love us deeply and that you're on our side. So would you speak to us through your scriptures and would you send us out to do the work that you've given us to do this day? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you guys, have you ever lost something like, like your keys or your wallet, um, maybe the remote controller to your TV, and then all chaos breaks loose in your household? You start blaming your wife or your husband or your kids or your cat or your dog, only to find out that it's in your pocket. Like, that's what we've come to in America, that we can so quickly lose things. Uh, a few months ago, maybe more than a few, probably like two years ago, uh, we were hanging out with some friends in our neighborhood, and we were in our backyard. Katie, my wife, who I just saw is here. Hey, babe. Uh, by the way, we're middle school sweethearts, and we met at church camp. Uh, that's a longer story, but we, we celebrated nine years of marriage this year, which most of you, yeah, most of you got to see because we were formed here at Grace. But anyways, so Katie was at work. She's a nurse. And uh, we were hanging out with all of our friends, and I, I think I had our newest baby, Hadley. I was wearing her, and then Zoe was hanging out with the neighborhood kids, and Baylor. The, the theme of this week is, where's Baylor? Am I right, Soul in the City friends? Where's Baylor? Where's Baylor? Well, we realized very quickly that Baylor is not in the midst of us anywhere, and we had to do something about it. So some friends went that way, and I went this way, and we're calling, Baylor, Baylor, where are you? Baylor, where are you? And a few minutes go by, and I'm like, do I need to text Katie? I really don't want to text Katie about this. I'm not going to text her. So we, we keep searching and, and, and searching and searching, and we realize that he was two houses down. It's pitch black. Two houses down, playing with the neighbor's parakeets. They, they leave their parakeets out there, and he just loved these things. And so I grabbed him and was like, dude, don't run away anymore. Like, this was the scariest moment of my life so far. And I told Katie the next morning, but I didn't text her that night. And she was like, what? Baylor ran away and you didn't tell me? So that's when we learned we needed a fence. And we had to spend lots of money to purchase the fence so that Baylor couldn't escape. We don't have animals. The fence was for Baylor. So, but I, I think what I've learned in our culture today is it is really, really easy to get lost in the fold. One, one moment you're in, everybody's having fun, life is good, and then you look around and nobody's there. Maybe it's the culture that's kind of just pulled us away. The experts say that there is more data on the internet being created in one day than every single year since the creation of technology. Like, like 20 years worth of data in one day we're now creating. There is so much information for us to believe and listen to and follow after in this world. It is really easy to get lost. And I wonder if you feel like that this morning. There's so many things swirling around. We just don't know what to do. And maybe we feel a little bit lost. The grace that we're going to find in Scripture this morning is that we're not the only ones, so take heart. We're not the only ones who have wandered on this earth feeling 
Am I loved? Am I known? Do I feel like I fit in in this world? Do I have abstract truth, concrete truth that I can grab onto and cement my feet into that I can live for every day in my life? We're not the only ones who have struggled with this. And uh, this week, I told kids that there was really one thing that we're going to talk about all week, that you are God's masterpiece. It was read this morning. It says that we are his workmanship, which in the original literally just means we are his creation. And if we go back to, to Genesis 1, we find out that we're not just his creation, we're his best creation. Because after everything that he created day by day, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. But when he got to us, what did he say? Very good. This is very good. It's better than good. It's, it's the best that I have. And over the years, we've, we've wandered. We've followed after lies that we thought were truths. And I think this morning, we just need to know that you are his masterpiece. And not just that. But we said this thing at the start of every Young Life, or uh, excuse me, not Young Life, every Soul in the City uh, worship service that we had this week, that God loves you, and if you're Soul in the City, you're, say it with me, God loves you, he's on your side, he is coming after you, and he is relentless. So the scriptures this morning, I think they communicate this very boldly. In verse 1, it says that, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And I think we just, we need to pause there because shouldn't it be the religious people and the Pharisees and the scribes, shouldn't they be the one who are drawing near to Jesus? I think so. And in our world, it's, it's that way. It's the religious people who draw near to Jesus. And it's the people who are led astray or the, the tax collectors and the sinners that are like, ah, I don't, I don't know about this Jesus. And and I, I kind of have one question this morning for this piece. Why is it that way? Why have we flipped and gone on the other side of what's been true for, for all of eternity? That Jesus draws the sinners in. Jesus draws the people who are without hope and dying. And it's true here in, in this scripture. The tax collectors were some of the most hated people in the day. Like, like the most. They were good Jewish people who sold out their own people to make money, and they worked for the Roman government. And so they would go around and uh, collect taxes from their fellow friends and neighbors and um, fellow Israelites, Jewish folks, except they would take more. And so they were hated in the town. And the sinners that would join them, they really weren't any different. They were liars and cheaters and um, they stole things from folks, and they committed all the things that are laid out in the Bible that God didn't necessarily prefer, that he had a better way for them, but they pursued those things. And so you have the tax collectors and the sinners, and they're in the same place, and it says that they were drawing near to him. Maybe there's a side of Jesus that's full of grace and full of truth, it's actually good for somebody far from Jesus to be near to him. And so they were there. And I think we've got a long way to go in our culture right now for that to be true again. That's, that's another sermon. 
And it says that the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled. The religious people, they grumbled looking at this beautiful picture of sinners and tax collectors and Jesus all together in the same place. And they were saying that this man, he receives sinners and eats with them. He receives sinners and eats with them. Side story, don't be like them. Don't be like the religious people. It's so easy to be like, I cannot believe that person is coming to church. I can't believe that person cried out to Jesus on Facebook. I can't believe they said they're following Jesus on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. They're hypocrites. No, 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 no. We are all in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. And so this Jesus, he receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus, hearing the grumbling, he says these words, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Can you imagine, like, I'm, I'm really talking to my wife. Could, could you imagine if Baylor, my son, was lost and, like, we're just having a great party and I'm like, ah, Baylor will find his way home. It's, it's good. Like, it's dark. It's... I don't know, it's 8.30, it's a little bit after his bedtime, but I, he's good, he'll find his way home, he, he doesn't need me. And I just like went on with hanging out with my friends, and meanwhile, my, at the time, my two-year-old son is lost in the neighborhood and it's pitch black. Because I could just picture that. Would any of you ever do that with any of your children? Some of you are like, well, actually, there was this time. Um, <laughs> probably, but no, we wouldn't do this. We wouldn't do this. And so why would the God of creation do that with us? He loves us. He's on our side. He's coming after us, and he will never stop. He is relentless. And so Jesus says, what man of you have in 99, if one goes away, you, you would go after him. And, and when he has found the lost sheep, Jesus says, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost, and now my wife isn't really going to hurt me tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I was at Young Life Camp, Windy Gap to be specific, and we were having a great week, and I thought for sure some of the knuckle-headed guys in my, my cabin were going to have a moment um, with Jesus and turn away from their sin and say, I'm all in. I love Jesus. Let's go. None of them did. Not a single one of them. In fact, um, no one on our trip that was a kid except one girl stood up and said, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And, and I, y'all, I didn't say this in the last sermon, because it's kind of just now coming to me, but I was sitting kind of like this, and I was looking at all these boys, and I'm like, man, like how, how do they not say yes to Jesus? I must have led them astray, or, or maybe I wasn't good enough for them. And, and it hit me. One, Chris, you're being like the Pharisees and the scribes, so stop. Two, 
There is a human being standing there whose eternity has been changed forever. Get up on your feet and go give her a high five and tell her how proud of, of, uh, of her that I am. And so I did. I stood up. I'm not going to say her name because I think we record now, but I gave her a high five and I said, I'm so proud of you. Everything is about to change. For the one. We had a lot more kids on the trip, but it was the one. It's always the one. Jesus is for the one. He will never stop running after them. He loves them. He's on their side, and he is relentless. But here's the reality. In the story, we are never the 99 righteous. We're we're never them. We are always the one. So I did a little something with, with Soul and City Kids this week, and it's something I often do in my talk. And now that it's 9 o'clock and beyond in the morning, I'm going to ask you guys to do this. And so I would tell the kids, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. I know. Neighbor. You're the one. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. You're the one too. We are the ones. With, with all of history, all of mankind, we are the ones who wander And we say in some seasons of our life, Jesus, I love you. You're my everything. Oh, my quiet times are so good. 5 a.m., I got my cup of coffee, which I'm addicted to. And and I got my Bible, and I got my Jesus, and everything is so good. And then life gets really hard, or maybe life is really good, and we find ourselves just creeping away from Jesus before we realize, oh my goodness, I got to come back. I've got to come back to Jesus. But we don't realize that Jesus has been following us everywhere that we go everywhere. And we see this in in all of biblical history. God gives the law, which is short for, hey, here's a set of boundaries that I want you to have in life to be in relationship with me. And so the Israelites would be like, yes, this sounds great. Oh, thank you for giving us boundaries. This is so good. I love you. You love me. This is great. And then the next thing you know is all of Israel is like worshiping this tiny little golden creature that they made from all the jewelry that they pulled from camp. And we're like, what? What is happening? And yet God says, I love you. I'm on your side. I'm still coming after you. And I am relentless. And so he pulls them back into the fold. And they're like, Jesus, I love you. This is so good. And and we see the same thing. God's love for us. He restores us and he forgives us. We mess it up. God loves us. He forgives us. He restores us. We mess it up. And it is this constant wandering away from God himself. And so um, as we finish up today, a good question to ask is, so what should we do? What should we do? We know we're the one. We know that God loves us. He's for us. He's, He's coming after us. He's relentless. We are his masterpiece somehow, some way. What do we do? Well, here's, here's what we do. I think we got to try harder. I think we got to be better. I think we got to read our Bible more, and I think we got to pray more. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. It's, it's the flat-out opposite of the gospel. And if anybody ever tells you that, I know that doesn't come out of this pulpit, But if anybody ever tells you that, I am so sorry. Don't listen to that. The the truth of the gospel is that we could not do anything in ourselves to save ourselves. God did it all by grace. He saved us. 
It's the free gift of God. And so what do we do? I hope this is encouraging this morning. We simply receive. We say yes to the gift. We say, yes, God, I've got it all wrong the last few months. I've got it all wrong for the last 20 years. I've got it all wrong this week. Yeah, you've, you've been chasing me. I'll, I'll come back like the wandering sheep, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the fold because you're good and you love me. Probably eight years ago, I, I gave a sermon in here that I have honestly tried to live by since then. And the, the phrase was kind of sticky, but it said this, be before you do and do out of your being. And what God has called us is son and daughter, adopted into his family, bought with the blood of Jesus on the cross. We did nothing, and therefore, we can do nothing to add value to that. We have done nothing, and so we can simply receive. We can simply be with Jesus, and I promise it'll change your life. And then when you feel like you've been found enough, then go out and use the gifts that I encourage the kids at Soul in the City to do. Figure out the way that God has wired you to love the world, to love your neighbors, to love yourself, as Jesus says. Then go. But before you do that, be really clear about who you are. You are his masterpiece. I couldn't think of any way to sum this up without telling a poop story of poor little Baylor. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, did he just say poop? I did, I did. So we're at the dinner table one night, and if you know anything about being at the dinner table with your three young kids, it's chaos. But for some reason, this particular night seemed in my memory to to be great. We're all chatting as best you can with, at that time, probably a a four-year-old, a two-year-old, or maybe it's five, three, and, and one. Um, and then Katie and I were just like looking at each other, like, how, how do people do this? But anyways, uh, Baylor gets up and he walks away, and I don't think anything of it. But then some time goes by, and I'm probably thinking like, ah, I should go check on Baylor if he doesn't come out here in a little bit. But here he comes, Baylor coming back to the family dinner table. But I noticed something. He's not wearing the same pants that he was wearing. And he brought a pretty terrifying stench with him. And then Katie, I think she might have said something like, you need to go check on that. And that's code for get up from the table now and go. So I go and I get into his bedroom and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's, there's poop everywhere. There's poop on the floor. There's poop on the, the dresser. There's poop on the pants that he was wearing that are now thrown for some reason into the dirty clothes laundry basket. That's not where poopy clothes go, just in case everybody wonders. Um, and, and then I go into the bathroom, which looks very bad. Uh, same, same situation. There's poop on the toilet. There's poop on the ground. There's, there's poop everywhere. And there's like a little piece of toilet paper with poop in the trash can. I don't, why? Why does that have to happen? And, and typically, I would probably go back in there and say, Baylor J, why did you do this? Come on, let's go clean this stuff up. Let's go. Like any, any normal parent, like, 
There's poop everywhere. I can't possibly be content or happy with this. I'm frustrated. But for some reason, I wasn't that night. And I came back to Baylor at the dinner table, and I said, Baylor, come on, buddy. You can't can't sit at the, the family table looking and smelling like this. So let's go get you cleaned up. So I took him back, and if you're a parent, you know there's only one way that you're going to get this stuff up, and it's with these two hands. So, so I start the cleaning process, and it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, and so I get him cleaned up, and he's looking and smelling like he should as my son. Put some new clothes on him, and I get back to the dinner table, and um, it hits me. This is what God does with us day by day by day. He invites us back into the family at the table. We go away. We mess it up. We get things real messy. We come back trying to hide it. God sees that we're trying to hide it. He takes us by the arm. He cleans us up. We don't do anything. We receive it. And then he puts some new clothes on us. Not the old clothes that we were wearing, but new clothes. And he brings us back to the table, and he says, I love you. I'm on your side. I'm coming after you, even in your poopy mess, and I will be relentless. You know what Baylor told me that night? As I was tucking him in, he said, Dad, you're the best poop daddy. <laughs> and and I, I just wonder... What's, what's your mess? We all have a mess. We all have a story. What's your mess? Maybe tonight you would say, God, you're the best blank daddy. You're the best whatever. Because day by day, he cleans us up. He has done all the work. And he is inviting you and me, these soul in the city kids, to know that you are his masterpiece, and he loves you, he is on your side, he is coming after you, and he is relentless. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you always leave the 99 to come after the one, and that we are the one. Thank you for loving us, thank you for leaning into our mess and cleaning it up, and restoring us back to the family table where you say, I love you, You're mine. Come and dine. I pray that we would know this in our heart of hearts this morning and that we would follow you in the mess, in the good and the bad and the ugly for the rest of our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.